chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Amen. This is a message that God has given me. In fact, I said to you before we begin the next series, God gave me an assignment to share about four or five individual messages. The first one a couple of weeks ago was simply called Redeemable. Last week, we said to you that God has not forgotten about you. And so here we are again, obeying the instructions of the Lord to share this individual message for someone, somewhere. The ninth chapter of Acts, beginning at the first verse, concluding at the sixth verse, I want to also, before I read the passage, join in and salute and celebrate the greatest ushers anywhere, the usher ministry. Those of you from the country, the Urshus, amen, we thank God. <laughs> y'all looking at me funny, y'all. I know y'all used to say Urshus, amen. <laughs> thank God for the ushers of the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. God bless you so much. Verse number one, chapter number nine, and it reads, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He, saw, went to the high priest, and he asked of the high priest for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, saying that he, if he found any there who belonged to the way, the way of the Lord, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Verse number three, as he neared Damascus on his journey, <laughs> listen, Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And the church that loves God's word said amen. Reach over and catch someone by the hand. Here is the, here is the subject for today's message. Squeeze those hands and look at someone say a transformational experience. Now hold on to those hands and say, thank God, we can all change. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. A transformational experience. Thank God, we can all change. Listen, it is said, and I agree with this assessment, or even this acknowledgement, that at some point in everyone's life, we will all at some point experience some kind of transformation, one way or the other. In fact, we are changing even as I am speaking right now. 
uh, you're not the same as you were yesterday. There's some changes happening to your body. Amen. Uh, even from last year, this time. Amen, someone. Some used to bounce up vibrantly and run, jump, twist, and turn. Now you just wave your hand. <laughs> Somebody say change. Arthritis hits you. Oh, my God. I, Lord, I tell young people, don't laugh or pick at anybody who's old. I regret the day I laughed at my grandmother with that green alcohol. Saying, son, come rub my feet. And my cousin and I used to laugh and say, oh, why can't she do it? She's so slow. And now when I get up in the morning, help me, Jesus. Touch my back. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Changes will come, whether you embrace them or not. Listen, the noted author, one of my favorite authors, someone I have looked up to from afar for a long time, and a pastor, Rick Warren, the author of uh, the great book uh, that he write, The Purpose Driven Life, pastor of the Saddleback Church in California, Rick Warren. Pastor Warren is quoted as saying, and I quote, he says this, transformation is a process. Somebody say a process. And as it happens, there are tons of ups and downs. It's a journey. Somebody say journey. It's a journey of discovery. For there are moments on mountaintops. Pastor Warren concludes this quote by saying, and there are moments in deep valleys of despair. It's called life. Life has both mountaintops and valley experiences. And so one of the things that we understand about life is that life has its transformational moments. Life has its transformational experiences. And when we speak this morning of a transformational experience, it is defined for the purposes of our message today and on Tuesday night as this, as an experience that fundamentally changes a person's assumptions and preconceptions as well as their beliefs and values affecting how they understand themselves, how they understand others, and how they understand the world. When we speak of a transformational experience in this message, we're not talking about a slight modification to our behavior. We, we're not talking about a better attitude on a certain day. <laughs> but we are talking about a total change of who we are and what we are and how we live our lives. Somebody say change. Amen. One of my father's favorite expressions was from that favorite poem, that line that says, thank God a man can grow. Aren't you grateful that you are not what you used to be? 
we are so quick to judge others. We are so quick uh, to point our finger at others, particularly those who are younger. We are quick to write off a younger generation. And as we do that, we often forget of how patient God has been with us through all of our ups and downs, all of our failures, all of our mess-ups, slips-ups, all of our intentional wrongs and unintentional mistakes. God has been right there by our side. In fact, God had a front row seat of all of the changes that our life has been through. And I don't know about you, but I am so glad that he did not give up on me. As we said to you that we are still in the hands of the potter. Amen. And so when, when we think about change, when we think about that for today's purpose and message, God says when, when we speak of a transformational experience, we are, listen, this is so important, we are speaking of a fundamental change from the inside out. Why is that so important, Pastor Jackson? Because, see, I've learned, I, I, I have made mistakes in judging books by its cover. I, I, and I'm not talking about literal books. I'm talking about people. I, 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 people have gotten me. They, people will fool you because they can look different on the outside and they can talk a good talk on the outside, but deep down inside, they're the same old still nasty person they have ever been. Uh, don't, don't overestimate a pretty smile. May I preach? And, and, and just, just because somebody is friendly for a moment doesn't make them a friendly person. Even the devil knows how to put the best on the outside. Come on. And you, you've got some demons who know how to smile their way through anything. And, and there's some folk who can fool just about everybody at some time. And there's some folk, if you didn't know better because you are judging them by the outward appearance, you would think that they've got it together and they are good people until the lights are cut off and nobody is around and nobody's there to hold them accountable. Character is how you act when nobody is watching. Character is not what you do in church. Amen. Character is who you are when you think there's nobody there to hold you accountable. When you go someplace where church folk are not around, how you act is who you really are. Not how you come back and fool us when you're in church. Amen. Because there's some folk who can shout up a storm preach like Paul, sing like an archangel, but that doesn't mean that they are a change in good people. Amen. Because there's some bad people who are good actors and actresses. In fact, we ought to give Academy Awards for spiritual drama. <laughs> I wish I had. So there, there's some folk who would get it. You will win Oscars after. Because some folk know how to put the best on the outside. And after church, you see them somewhere different at the grocery store, at the gym, uh, at the PTO meeting, at the community meeting. A oh, Lord knows, don't let somebody cut them off in traffic. <laughs> uh, 
and then the real person. And you say, wait a minute, hold on. I, I thought that was the Holy Ghost field preacher and singer. But you are who you are when you don't know what folk are watching or how they are watching you. That's what comes out. Because ultimately, what's in the inside comes out on the you can suppress it for a moment and you can hold it for a moment. And that's why I often tell folk who say, oh, excuse me, I slip and use profanity. I say, then the issue ought to not be how did it slip out. The real question ought to be, why did you let it slip in? Because it, I, it can't come out unless it's in you. Unless you're thinking evil, you can't produce evil thoughts. Amen. And that's why God has to guide your mind. If there's anything not like you, take it out. Uh, Y'all know that song, search me, Lord. Search me, Lord. You, you, you've got to open yourself to God, and we all need a self-examination. There's nothing like going to a physician getting a good examination uh, because it, it, it gives you a sense of comfort, but it also allows you to know there's some things in your life that you ought to monitor. Amen. You ought to lay off the salt. You ought to give up soft drinks. You ought to monitor your cholesterol, watch your blood pressure, and, and, and you'll know that by getting a good checkup. Problem is that we don't subject ourselves to spiritual checkups. We walk around like we are the epitome of spiritual help. And God said, you really aren't. You look all right on the outside, but inside of you there's some anger. How can you walk around and not speak to people? How can you be mad at anybody more than 24 hours? If you are, let me serve notice on you. You got an issue. And before you encourage anybody else, you ought to get yourself to the altar and say, Lord, clean up some stuff. Because some of y'all are some nasty, dressed up church going. And you sit all up there, dress all up, looking good, smelling good, tipping in church, looking good. But deep down inside, there's some folk you haven't even spoken to in the last year. Get right with yourself. If you don't watch it, you're going to bust hell wide open with your hat and cross and big Bible. Why? Because it comes from the inside out and you get by because you can't see it from the inside. I've learned it even with our physical condition. You can be in the epitome of health but if you've got certain things that you are predisposed to by your DNA oh y'all give me time to preach this. You can work out at the gym. I, I thought I was in the best of health until I went to my physician, Dr. O.K. Rike. He said, you got blood pressure problem. I said, I work out five days a week. I don't eat fried food. I haven't drank a soft drink in 10 years. Eat no salt. I'm all right. He said, no, you are predisposed to it because your daddy and his daddy had it. Oh, somebody. No, you, some of y'all are predisposed to spiritual challenges. Why? Because uh, Satan has infected some folk that have passed down the line. But thank God for a good checkup. Search me, Lord. I feel like preaching. I'm coming on everybody's street today. 
Sit up there as if you're all of that. God said, God said, start with the preacher in the pulpit. Walk all the way to the parking lot. Tell everybody to ask. And check this out. Some of y'all ain't qualified to give us spiritual examinations. Just like I love you, but when I get sick, I'm not going for you to take out your oil and just have it. You can put all the oil on my head you want. But sooner or later, Chip, I'm going to go find me a certified physician and say, I need you to check me out. Other folk can't determine your spiritual health and your relationship with God. You need to go before the Lord. He's a doctor in the sick room. Anybody stood before the Lord? David said, Lord, create in me a clean heart, renew in me a right spirit against you and you only have I done this. Search me, Lord, if there's anything in my life shouldn't be such as the case with spiritual transformation and we find that in the text in the text we have what is perhaps one of the greatest examples in all of scripture of a powerful transformational experience it is how a man by the name of Saul who was a persecutor of the New Testament church, how he was transformed into a man by the name of Paul the Apostle. How did Saul, the persecutor, become Paul the Apostle? <laughs> In fact, we are first introduced to Saul in Acts chapter 7, verse 58 tells us that when Stephen, the deacon, the martyr, was stoned to death, verse 58 said the men who stoned Stephen took off their clothes and laid them at the feet of a young man by the name of Saul. Why, in other words, Saul was there overseeing the martyr death of Stephen. Uh, but thank God a man can change. Uh, God had a purpose for Saul. Saul was a religious zealot. Saul was somebody who thought he was doing the right thing. Can I tell you something? I, and I've got to finish this on Tuesday night, but I've got to tell you something. Perhaps there's nothing more dangerous than an overly religious person with no relationship with God. I, I just got to stay right there. Can I, can I, can I stay there for just a moment? Uh, don't you mistake religion uh, for a relationship with God. There are a whole lot of folk with a whole lot of religion, but no relationship with God. Re religion means I was baptized at the Mount so-and-so Baptist church at 10 years old. Religion means my daddy was chairman of the deacon board. Religion means I go to church all the time. But that does not substitute for a relationship with God. There's nothing worse than religious folk who have no relationship with God. They are dangerous. Why? Because they live by their creed and their doctrines and their code and they have no humanity, no empathy for anybody else. Why? Because their religion supersedes their disposition and who they really are. Paul Saul was religious but he was not holy. Ooh, whole lot of religion. That's why I have no use 
for religion only. That's why I, I don't like conferences, don't like convocations, don't like conventions. Oh, my mama, let me look at it this way. Somebody, because, because I can't waste a whole week of my life putting up with folk that are trying to impress me about how deep they are and how religious they are. And right outside of their four-star hotel is a wino, a homeless person, somebody who needs to know the Lord. Saul was religious, but at this point in his life, he was not holy. <laughs> but something is about to change. <laughs> you can't get holy by Googling holy on the internet and applying it to your life. You can't even get holy by somebody else laying their hands on you. Holy, don't get mad at me, is not achieved in the upper room. Amen. Holiness is an experience with Jesus Christ that changes you from the inside out. Whether or not folk laid hands on you, whether you spoke in tongues or not, whether you can shout, sing, or dance, none of that indicates anything about your holiness and your relationship with God. Holiness is a way of life. It is not a denomination. It is not apostolic, Pentecostal, Methodist, or Baptist. It is how you live. Somebody says, are you guys a holy, holiness church? I say every church ought to be a holiness church. Every believer ought to be holiness. Amen. Because we, we have corrupted the title and substituted it for how we ought to live. God said it's how you live, not what they call you, not some name on your letterhead, not some name on your church, but it's how you live late in the midnight hour when the hellhounds are on your track. And when you feel like slapping somebody at work, holiness comes out of you. That's when you know you're holy. That's when you know you're holy. When, when, you, when, you, when your flesh wants to do this and your spirit says do this. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Saul, may I preach, can I preach, shall I preach? Saul is about to be introduced to holiness. He's about to meet somebody by the name of Jesus. The old folk had it right. Mother Lumpkin, when they said, I went to the meeting one night. And my heart wasn't right. But something got a hold of me. Y'all make me feel like preaching. I've got to preach again before the day is over, but I feel something in here. Look at somebody say, I am what I am because God made me who I am. Let me make you. Don't you judge anybody by their outfit. You don't have a right to judge anybody. You don't like their mannerisms. I don't like the way they talk. Uh, they, they're too masculine. They're too feminine. They ain't up to you to judge nobody. 
It's your job to save yourself. Baby, it takes all my Holy Ghost just to keep my own self on the subject. <laughs> but I ain't got time to be judging nobody else because it takes everything I have to wrestle with the demons I have. And what I've discovered is some of the people you write off are the most holiest of people that I've ever met. Great relationship. They don't talk like you and walk like you. And they may not dress like you, but they have a relationship with God. Some of you dressed up cross-wearing, big-toting Bible people. When I get sick in the hospital, baby, don't you call them to pray over me. I don't want anybody praying over me that don't have no real anointing. Find me somebody with no title, but I'll go get Mother Williams. Go get somebody else. Go get me one of these church praying mamas to lay hands and walk the floor and say in the name of Jesus. I feel like preaching. So here is the transformation of experience God could have given up on that young man who was responsible for the death of Deacon Stephen God could have said I have no use for you I can use anybody I want but God saw something in Saul ah, that only God could see God says I need to use you but I can't use you the way you are. <laughs> In order for me to use you, you have to have a transformational experience. Let me share with you five significant things that happened to Saul on that Damascus road uh, uh, that perfected his transformational experience. And we'll get into this in some detail on Tuesday night. Uh, Saul on his way to Damascus to persecute believers who were walking in the way of Jesus. But God had a different plan. That's why you don't give up on your child, your grandchild, on anybody else. Because God says what you see is who they are. But you don't see what they will be once I put my hands on them. Look at somebody say, don't you give up? For the soul in your house may be the Paul of your family. The Mary Magdalene who had seven demons is the same Mary Magdalene who carried the first evangelical New Testament message. Jesus could have chosen anybody to send the word that I have arisen from the grave. But he sent Mary Magdalene seven demons in her life. Jesus said, I want to send a message to all of the holy uppity uh, folk who are walking around thinking they're all of that. The first New Testament evangelical message that he has risen sent by a woman out of whom seven demons came out of. Don't tell me what God can't do. Look at somebody and say, don't you tell me what God can't do. Go home and speak over your child and your grandchild. And I don't care if they're grown. Send them a grown man text and say, hello, mighty man of valor. They go, mama, what's wrong with you? Ain't nothing wrong with me. If they're a woman of God, hello, mighty woman of favor. 
and they, they may have just gotten in from the club, still got liquor on their breath, smell like marijuana, but God says, I'm not giving up on anybody because there's a soul that is about to become Paul. How did it happen? Pastor Jackson, quickly. I've got only 15 minutes to give you this, but you've got to come back on Tuesday night because we've got a beautiful analogy for you on Tuesday night. But here are five things, and I want to share them with you. First thing about his transformational experience is that he saw the light. <laughs> you can't change if you don't see the light. Amen. Real transformation occurs when we come to the realization that Jesus is the light of the world. And without him, our lives, we are living in darkness. And darkness cannot overcome light. But you've got to understand that I'm living in a dark place. And I need the light of Jesus in my life. You've got to see the light. The Bible says on that road to Damascus, the first thing that happened is that there was a blinding light. Saw, saw something he had not seen before. He saw the light. Woo! The old church used to sing a song, I saw the light. I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. What does it say? I am so happy. I am so free. I remember that. <laughs> I, I, I like them simple songs. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I saw the light. Anybody in here, thank God you saw the light of Jesus in your life. Point number one, he saw the light. And here is number two, which is so important. He was knocked to the ground. Oftentimes, our transformational experiences involve being knocked down off our high horses. Can I say that again? God has to humble us. Some of you, he's got to take everything from you. He's got to knock you because you're on a high horse right now. You think you're pretty good. You got a few degrees. You live in a nice place, making a little money. You, you think you really got it going on. And God says, I've got to let you go through something that you cannot control with your money or your influence. And oftentimes God's got to knock you flat on your back. And in order for some people to look up, they've got to be knocked down. Amen, somebody. And the only reason God gets us to look up is that he knocks us down. He had to knock Saul off the high horse, flat on the ground. Then he looked up and said, who are you, Jesus? But until he got knocked down, he didn't ask the right questions or do the right thing. you got to thank God for your struggles because some struggles just made us better. I, am I the only one just want to celebrate some valley experiences in my life? I have gone through some things that were painful to me and my family, but I thank God it made me who I am today. And I wouldn't wish it on anybody. I've had some situations where I had to go bail my son out of jail. He 
here I am, the pastor of the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. The jailhouse is less than two miles from my church. And I got to go down there and bail myself. I walk in the jail and the guard said, Pastor Jackson, what are you doing here? But it taught me how to pray. And because God knocked my son flat on his back, it gave him a different perspective about life. And it gave me a perspective. God said, now don't you judge anybody else's family. Because your family, just like everybody else's family, got some drama up in it. Sometimes God's got to take you through valley experiences for you to appreciate the mountaintop of the blessings that God has in store for you. So he knocked him down off his high horse and then he looked up. Look at somebody and say transformational experience. Third thing is that he heard the voice of the Lord. First thing, he saw the light. Second thing, he was knocked on the ground. Third thing, he heard the voice of the Lord. And the Lord said to me as I was putting this message together, God says in order to experience real transformation in our lives, we must be able and we must tune out all of the negative voices that are in our head and in our ear uh, that we have listened to clearly too long in order to hear what God has to say. And the reason why some of us cannot hear the voice of the Lord is because we're listening to everybody else. We seek too many opinions. It disturbed me by how church folk need to be validated by everybody. Everybody doesn't need to give you an opinion about what's going on in your life. You've got 100 people and 110 different opinions. Everybody's got an opinion and you negativity all all in your ear. If I were you, I wouldn't take all of that. I don't even know why you're still up in that church. If they treated me like they treat you, I wouldn't do it. Here you are, home soaking, not even getting the word. Why? Because negativity is in your ear and you are not being fed. But in order to hear the voice of the Lord, you've got to shut down the negativity that's in your spirit. Anybody ready to block out all negativity? Some folks number you ought to lose. Some folk you ought to take off your favorite list. Some folk you ought to say, don't call me, I won't call you. We are better off being separate. Uh, why? Because you can't deal with the negativity. And if other folk don't want to lift themselves up, you know they don't want to lift you up. Why? Because misery loves company. And there are folk who ain't going nowhere, not doing anything, don't worship anybody, don't believe in anything, and they want you to be just like them. But the devil is a liar. Get behind me, Satan. Somebody Look at somebody and say, block it out. He heard the voice of the Lord. And then quickly, number four, he obeyed the Lord's instructions. Amen. We must be more than hearers of the word. 
we must be doers of the word. The Lord said to Saul, now remember he was blind. He had been knocked on his backside, humiliated before all of the men that were around him. And then the Lord tells him to get up and go to a peasant house by the name of Ananias in Damascus. Go to a broke man's house. You are Pharisees. You sit on the Sanhedrin. You sit at the feet of Gamaliel, but your deliverance is going to be gotten from somebody with no former education, no theology degree. They don't have anything that you can be impressed by, but they have a relationship with God. And where was the street Ananias lived on? All of my Sunday school students said a street called Straight. I deal with that Tuesday night. Don't go to any street when God knock you down and God speaks to you. You better get up and go to Straight Street. Not Bluff Road, not Harlem Street, not Greenview, not Fair Road, not Blythewood, wherever y'all want to go. But you better find Straight Street. Pastor, where is Straight Street? It's wherever God points you to go. And <laughs> but I don't know where your Straight Street may be. But God said to Saul, go to Ananias' house on Straight Street. And he'll tell you what to do. That was number four. And then the fifth and the final one. After all of that, after he saw the light, whoo, after he was knocked to the ground, after he heard the voice, after he obeyed the instructions, then he became a brand new person. Not just an adjusted attitude. Not just improved behavior, Woo. but the caterpillar became the butterfly. I just, I so want to deal with this now, but I've got something to show you on Tuesday night. But the caterpillar, there are four steps, Chip, in a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. We deal with it Tuesday night. One is the seed. Uh, then another one is the lava in which the seed becomes the caterpillar. But the third one is the one that intrigued me. My son and DJ and I were talking about this between services. What intrigues me about the third stage in the development of a caterpillar to a butterfly, the, the, the third stage is frozen in animation. It's the cocoon. It is where you can't protect yourself, Marlon. It is where you do. And here's what it would tell you. One of the experts that I studied on this, Mother Gloria, says the cocoon is where the inward change happened in your life. But you've got to be frozen in animation, not knowing who may come after you. But at the end of the day, the cocoon becomes a butterfly. And the butterfly doesn't look anything like the caterpillar. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, I don't look anything like what I used to be. What you see now is nothing like what I used to be and when God gets through with me I'm going to look totally different I'm going to be different than what I once was caterpillars crawl butterflies 
go, I got to go, I got to go. But look at your neighbor, say neighbor, thank God a person can change. Thank God for a transformational experience. Look at my hand and my hand look new. Look at my feet and they did too. Anybody know that you're not what you used to be? Stand on your feet. Stand to your feet. Put your hands in the air and say, Lord, I thank you. You didn't have to do it, but you did. Anybody grateful God didn't give up on you? Anybody know God's still working on you? Anybody know you're not even what you're going to be? But when God gets through with you, come on, Zion. Help me praise him. Somebody meet me at the altar and say, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. You change me. You change me. Any praises in the house? Any praises in the house? Anybody glad you're not what you used to be? Not who you used to be? Look at you. But God. But God. But God. But God. Folk gave up on you, Billy. But God. Look at you now. But God. Somebody ought to give me a but God. Help me praise him. Help me praise him. Help me. Somebody ought to praise him. Somebody ought to lift your hands and say, Lord, I thank you. You didn't have to change me, but you did. But you did. But you did. Where are my praises? Where are my praises? Where are my praises? You've got 30 seconds to put your best praise over what God has done for you. Tell the Lord, thank you. Lift those hands all over the place. Woo. Change me, oh God. Make me more like you. Change me.
Anybody want the Lord to change it? You can't be ashamed. Know that you need God to do something in your life that only God can do. I need 50 more people to leave your seat. Come stand at this altar and say, change me, oh God. Woo! God's changing you. I don't like being nasty. I don't like being angry. Woo! Get ready for metamorphosis. Woo! Change me. Woo! Somebody want to put a praise on what God's doing. Something is happening. Something is happening. God's doing something, young man. God's doing something. God's changing somebody. Woo! As we lift those hands, woo! Listen. Sister Tamala Mann wrote this very powerful song that consists of only two words, change me. Listen, your prayer today is not for God to change the person next to you. See, what, what I've discovered is that for a great part of my life, I pray that God would change my enemies. And God said, you have been praying the wrong prayer for too long. But God says, what you really ought to pray is that God change me. Because even if your enemies don't ever change, if God change you, you can handle all their nastiness, all of their attacks. Whew. Anybody want God to change you? Come on, Francis, tell him, change me, oh God. Ooh. Listen. Change me, oh God. Make me more. Make me more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you. Somebody lift those hands and say, change me, oh God. Change Ooh. me, oh God. Wash me through and through. Wash me through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And through. Everybody lift those hands and say, change me, oh Lord. Change me, oh God. Change me, oh God. Me, oh God. Woo. 
<laughs> make me make me more like you. This is personal, God. This is personal. Change me. Change you don't even have to change my family, change but change me, oh Lord. Wash me. Wash me through and through. God, I need you to create from the inside Just out. Create. Create. In me. create in me a clean heart. A clean heart. So that I. Everybody lift those hands and say, change me. Sing your song. Make me all God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Make me more like you. God's doing it right now. Change me. Change me all God. Wash me through and through. So that I may work, yeah. worship you. I need you to. Ooh, I need you to. <laughs> Somebody oh, needed to change me. That's right. Yes, I, I need you I, to change me. From the inside out, Lord.
reach over and put your arms around someone. And I want you to hear this word. You often hear people say, don't give up on anyone. God just dropped something in my spirit. Don't give up on yourself. Because what I've discovered is that so many of us are being tempted by the enemy to give up on ourselves. They say we won't ever be what you think the world thinks, the church thinks we ought to be. Don't give up on yourself. And don't let anyone tell you or define for you your relationship with God. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're doing. And I will say this from the depths of my heart. There are people who disagree with how you live your life, but they cannot determine your destiny. Ooh, that's you and your God. Ooh, and that's why I am so hard on judging other people because all of us have had issues. In fact, all of us are at stage three of the transformation of the caterpillar to the butterfly. We're in the cocoon. We're in suspended animation. And we're just waiting on the change from the inside out. When God gets finished with you, there's some powerful voices of God that will come from a millennial generation of young people who don't dress like other folk, act like other folk, but they are so sincere with their relationship with God. And God's using them to do something. And God said to the church in 2019, and I want to say this to all of my friends that listen by way of radio on the internet, if you're not open to what God is getting ready to do going forward, the church as we know it will be a relic and a museum with great furniture, pretty windows, great pictures, but no people. Why? Because God says, I'm sick of this. All of the pointing fingers, judging folk, determining Who's right with God? God knows what he's doing. So get ready right now. I prophesize in the atmosphere that God's doing a good work. That God's doing a good work. Amen. We've got to get prepared for what God is doing. Close those eyes. It, start, it begins with your relationship with God. Listen, there's someone in here right now. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be bold enough <laughs> to say, here I am, Lord. If you can use somebody like me, here I am. Ooh. Saul was a murderer. Saul, the Bible, the first verse of the ninth chapter, say out of his mouth he was breathing murderous words. But God took a murderer and made him a church planter.
14 churches Paul established. 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament were written by Paul who used to be known as Saul. Don't tell me what God can't do. God said, I can use whomever I choose to use. And if you write him off, that doesn't mean God will give up on them. Amen. Close those eyes. And if you're here, we will wait on you. I'll wait on you at the altar. And you just come and say, Pastor, I need to be different. I need to accept this challenge to commit my life to the Lord. If you once were and no longer are, I extend to you an invitation to renew your commitment with the Lord. Look at somebody and say, this is personal. It's not about you or anybody behind you. This is just you and God now. Eternal Father, we thank you. We bless you. We thank you for being such an awesome God. Thank you for the greatest transformational experience that we will ever have. Not changing from boyhood to teenager, from teenager to manhood. Not changing from a girl to a woman. Not changing from being poor to being affluent and rich. But I'm talking about the change of not knowing you to now having a relationship with you. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus' soul. (laughs) I am the very one that you're persecuting. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you for the caterpillars in animation waiting to become a butterfly. (laughs) We praise your name, give you the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. Amen. Put your arms around somebody. Say get ready for the change. Get ready for the change. If you want to join the church, if you want to commit your life to the Lord, If you want to leave here different than how you came, come meet me at this altar right now. That's right. Come on, brother. Anybody want to? God bless you, man. Somebody else? Anybody else? Right. Amen. Come on. God's calling others.
everybody, if you can stand to your feet, give God a hand of praise. those hands and give God a hand of praise. Look at all of those. Come on.